Okay. Good morning. It is good to see you guys. This is exciting. So if you're on Facebook now in church, it's okay as long as you're doing a watch party, all right? That's how, the, that's how this kind of works. So we get to do a baptism, right? I mean, this is our first baptism since we went COVID thing, and we haven't been able to be here. So I'm excited about this. And so I, I want you to know that this is an option. So if somebody needs to get baptized, uh, somebody online watching needs to get baptized, Let's make that connection. When you make that decision to follow Christ or to rededicate your life or whatever it might be that you want to get baptized for, let's have that discussion and know that this is a possibility. So our baptismal candidate today is a man who would baptize as a youngster. And, and he says, honestly, I don't exactly remember all this. And so what I want to do is I want to get baptized as a recommitment. So Rick, if you want to step on down here. Okay. Rick Gross, all right, is already a member of our church. He, 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 we voted on him becoming a member. He contacted me while we were in church one day and says, or, or, or during this COVID thing, says, I want to be baptized when, I, when we get back into the church. And so he contacted me a couple weeks ago and says, when can we do this? And so I said, I, I got it all cleared, and he said, let's do it this Sunday. So this is the Sunday that he has chosen to do that. He is a committed follower of Christ. If you've been watching Rick's life, uh, Rick's life has changed, at least what I've seen, okay? Uh, the first time I met him, he was in the hospital, and he's not there all the time anymore. So, uh, or at least that's where I remember getting to know Rick a little bit more. And, uh, and I kind of joked with him because he was putting Christmas decorations, and I asked him if he wanted to bring Valentine's decorations because he could be there for a long time. So, but God has continued to use him and continues to use him. And so uh, today as he comes to get baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, we're, we're going to watch God continue to use his life to transform the lives uh, around him, the lives that his life has a, a, an opportunity to come in contact with. You excited about this? Yes. Yes, yes okay. So I, yeah, I'll let you talk for a minute there. So that, that, that's good. <laughs> okay. So um, let's go ahead and get baptized. We're going to baptize and let's turn this way. We didn't rehearse. <laughs> All right. So, Rick, I'm going to baptize you. You're, you're a believer of Jesus, right? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So let me know if you need to use this. Okay, we'll make this happen. And Adam's going to come back up here and lead us in worship. Okay. Well, good morning. I'm going to share a song that we're going to sing together entitled Great Things. It's a new song for some of us, but it's pretty easy to pick up. So uh, hopefully this will kind of come into our regular rotation about just worshiping God for who he is and the things that he's done.
school technology I'm not on. I'm just gonna hang on just for a moment, guys. Get your vocal cords warmed up. Me, me, me. Everybody's good? I wanna give you that moment to do that. Okay, you're good now. And if it's not, All happens is one little change in my routine, and it's all shut down. That's okay. Not feeling just yet. Beautiful. All right. Sorry about that. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at his feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how his love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you you free every captive and break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. faithful through every storm you'll be faithful forevermore you have done great things and i know you will do it again for your promise is yes and amen you will do great things Oh, God, you do great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God. You have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God. Above it all, hallelujah, God, unshakable, hallelujah, you have done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave, you free every captive and break every chain, oh God, you have done great 
things. Oh God, you do great things. Good morning again. Um, just a couple quick announcements. That, that as, as we do this, we're not having Sunday school. Some of the Sunday school groups are going to start meeting in person, but that will be during the week. We still have groups online. I encourage you to be part of those. One of the things that we'll get to host, and you'll get more information as we go along, on August 6th, it's a Thursday night, we're going to host IBSA's training night. So that's what's going to go on, and we'll have more information. Uh, that will be the first event that IBSA hosts uh, as an in-person event. And, of course, all the safety protocols will be taking place to make that happen. So it's a joyous day to be in God's house. It's a joyous day to celebrate baptism and what it means to sing the songs, to learn a new song, to familiarize. To, to, to you know, sometimes when we're learning a new song, we have to concentrate a little bit more on the words because we don't know them. It's like driving down a new street. We have to pay a little bit more attention and the words speak to us and encouraged by that. So if you would, join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. This day that, Father, we can gather in the building, in our homes, wherever we're at, Father, to worship you. And, Father, we pray that as we come together, Lord, we see you, uh, an outpouring of your Spirit, Father, for that great awakening to start, whether it's here or whether we catch on after it starts someplace else. Father, we just pray that we'd see your Spirit at work, Lord, to transform lives. Father, to bring a new brother or sister into the family. Father, just pray that as we sing today, as we look at your word, Father, you would speak to us. Father, open our eyes and our hearts to hear what you'd have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. He humbled himself and carried the 
see the dawn of the darkest day, Christ on the road to Calvary, tried by sinful men, torn and beaten then, nailed to a cross of wood. There's the to death life is mine to live one through your selfless love there's the
All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians, your Bible app. It'll be right there. The Scripture will roll up there as we follow this sermon through. So we'll be in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. We're, we're taking a little time to go through this. But I will tell you that as I walk through this, I'm just amazed how much the Scripture that Paul wrote to a church, the Church of God at Corinth, has to do with the Church of God at Carlinville in 2020. Uh, you know, God's Word doesn't get old. The message doesn't get old. Uh, we talked we talked about the first nine verses. I would encourage you to read those again and again because it reminds us that everything we do is about Jesus. Everything we do is about Jesus. Last week we talked about the allegiance issue because they were becoming allegiant to whoever they were baptized and they, they started their own fan clubs. Uh, Rick is not going to be allegiant to Cliff. Okay, Rick is going to be allegiant to Jesus Christ. It was through Jesus Christ that he has the gift of salvation, not through Cliff. And that's important for us to remember. So, let me share with you a story from last Monday. So, last Monday I walked out to my motorcycle. I'm, I'm on my way here to the office. I've got three or four conference calls that I'm, that I'm going to join in on and do some other things. And it wasn't exactly as I had planned. So I get on my, I get on my motorcycle, got the gear on, my headset's working, got music going, and, and I get about a half a mile from the house, and apparently the yellow light that told me I was having a problem, I ignored. But when the red light started flashing, and it told me that, you know, that I have 21 pounds of pressure in my tire, my rear tire, as a matter of fact, it's specific to that. Um, you know, it needs to have like 30, no, 42 pounds it's supposed to have. And so that means I turn around and I park it back in the house and I go into the house because now I don't have time to plug the tire because I don't carry a spare tire in a motorcycle, if you've noticed. Uh, I have to plug the tire, and, and usually that's on the side of the road. Matter of fact, one time it was at 5 o'clock in the morning on the ramp coming off of the Poplar Street Bridge going to 44. That wasn't exactly where I planned on doing that, so it went exactly as I planned. So I, I, I want to share this with you. Um, during wedding counseling, it's that kind of thing that I do uh, to kind of prep them for, for marriage. One of the important things to walk them through is, is the, the skill of communication. I'm still learning. Lisa will tell you I'm still learning. But anyway, so I like to pass on my expertise. As a matter of fact, this was an exercise that Lisa did in one of her classes, probably back when she was at Verdon. And, and what I do is in my office I have a box of toothpicks and, and those little gummy things. They don't taste good, so they're good for this. And so, anyway, they're in my office, and what I do is I have the, the, the potential bride and the potential groom face away from one another, and I tell one of them to start building with the toothpicks and the gummies and tell the other person what they're building. And after they complete this exercise for a while, I have them compare what they have built. And sometimes it's not exactly as the bride or the groom who was given directions intended it for to, intended how it to be. It didn't come, turn out that way. And, uh, and I also think of this. We don't know how school's going to look, but this would be the time that, you know, in, in the fall that we start thinking about school pictures. 
And I was reminded as I was thinking about this not exactly term, is that sometimes we, we hey, it's, it's school picture day, and in our minds, this is what they should wear. And what they end up in their school pictures isn't exactly as we would have planned it. I think there was a time in our children's life when uh, they failed to communicate, or Daniel failed to communicate that it was picture day. And uh, mom was a little surprised by that's not how she would have dressed him kind of thing. I think that's how that worked out. So, what's this have to do with the Scripture? Because we're going to walk through the 18th verse through the 25th. We're actually going to cover through the 5th verse of the 2nd chapter, but we'll continue this discussion during the Wednesday videos. But it's the same kind of line of thought. What God did isn't exactly how we would do it. What God did is not exactly how we would have worked out this issue. So let's pick it up in the 18th verse of the first chapter. I'm reading out of the New American Standard. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, says out of Isaiah, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So let's look at this. This is the message that Paul has preached. This is crucial to our salvation. It is the message of the cross. It is the message of the cross. That's the message that Paul has, call, has been called to deliver. Remember, it's not in his in his speaking, it's not in the words, it's in the story that he tells. And the story that he tells is of Jesus Christ, the Savior, God's Son, who he sent to die on the cross so that we might have forgiveness of sins. When we read back in the first chapter, earlier in the first chapter, second verse, it talks about our sanctification, it talks about our grace. That sanctification, that grace came through the act of, of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the only way that we are sanctified. That's the only way that we experience the grace is through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, His burial, and His resurrection. That's the message that He's preaching. Now, what Paul goes on to say it is, is that it's the foolishness to the perishing. The cross, get this, the cross is foolishness to the perishing. Matter of fact, in one of the commentaries I was reading, we, we, somebody in here and somebody online watching is wearing a cross today. 
it is a popular symbol of Christianity. And we have one on top of the building. If you're watching the, the video, the countdown video, there's a picture of the cross on top of there. The cross is, is important to us. But that symbol of Christianity didn't gain ground till several centuries later. The first century Christians weren't wearing crosses around the neck, and we'll understand it, because it was foolishness to the perishing. In other words, the people who do not know Jesus Christ, this idea of the cross, it seems weird, it seems crazy, it, it just doesn't make sense. Now I will say that as I, as I thought about that, as I looked at that, as I looked at what Paul was saying, so often I want to make the cross seem normal to a world out there. I want to make it seem okay. I want to make it seem make sense to people. But in the end, what, pe what Paul is saying here is that when you are lost, that cross doesn't make sense. And he goes on and he breaks it down into two groups inside of this group that do not know Jesus Christ, that, that, are, that, that are the perishing. And the first group is the Jews, right? It is foolishness to the Jews. Foolishness to the Jews. I want you to understand that word Christ crucified, that phrase Christ crucified, to the Jewish population hearing that message, those two terms are diametrically opposed to one another. In other words, they shouldn't go together. They shouldn't go together. Like fire ice, fire ice is not a word, okay? That's not a phrase that goes together because one is one, one is hot and one is cold. One is hot and one is one is on fire and one is frozen. That's the extreme. And so this idea of Christ crucified makes no sense to the Jewish way of thinking. Let's understand what that means. Christ, our Messiah, is a word that they associate. Remember, they were looking for the Messiah. When Jesus Christ was born, they were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for God's awaited a, a, a Messiah. They were looking for God to fulfill the prophecy of that, that promised Messiah. In their mind, they weren't looking for a babe born in a manger. They were looking for the heralding of a king. They were looking for someone to come in triumph. They were looking to some, for someone to come in splendor. Think of robes and a crown and a castle and a court and all of those things that go with the idea of splendor and triumph and victory. See, that's what they associated with Messiah. That's what they associated with Messiah was that, that victory. That idea that the kingdom would be restored. That David, the line of David would come back into being and they would no longer be under the rule of anybody. didn't matter whether it was the, 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 the Romans or somebody else before or after them. They're looking for a Messiah that would come and restore them to that splendor, to that majesty, to that prominence of power they once had. The cross, on the other hand, was associated with, with, with shame. Actually, with curse. The idea that those who hung on a tree were cursed. Those who hung on a tree were criminals. Those who hung on the cross were defeated. You see, 
They were looking for somebody to throw off the reign of whoever and restore the kingdom. And what they got was a guy who came into town, carried his cross out, they nailed it to him, and they laid him in a grave. That was defeat. You see why it's a stumbling block to the Jews? Because it was not exactly as they had envisioned it. They hadn't envisioned God's rescue, God's Messiah coming to die on the cross for our sins. Their picture of what the Messiah was going to be like was, was not what God it also goes on to say that it was foolishness to the Gentiles. Foolishness to the Greeks. In the Greek world, particularly at this time, intelligence wins. Okay, Intelligence wins. It is the idea that, that the enlightened ones would be the ones who would be rescued. The, white, the enlightened ones would, would experience um, the closeness of God. I, I, I thought of, and remember, my Greek is relegated to, to Thor movies and whatever I learned back in high school, which was a long time ago. Okay, matter of fact, somebody reminded me in my class that that was like 40 years ago, and I'm only, I'm not 40 yet, right? And so here we are celebrating. So, so what I'm telling you about Greek mythology and the gods is just, well, it's a long time ago. Um, and so... In those things, in those stories, there, is, there are those stories where man outsmarted the gods. You can correct me later on. Okay? And I don't know the particulars. But you see, that was their kind of thinking. And this cross, this Christ crucified, wasn't just for the intelligent, was it? It wasn't just for those elite people in society. Matter of fact, when we watch the history of the Great Awakening and the revivals, it often comes to those who are not of any prominence in their communities. We'll talk about that a little bit later this week. But the idea that, that the cross, Christ crucified, was a stumbling block to the Greeks also. Because it did not make sense to them. It is not exactly how they would picture God working in their world. But to those of us who get it, those of us who, who somehow understand the cross is the power of God. The power of God. We see what God did on the cross. It is the power of God to us who are being saved. It is the power of God. When I, I realized that, we, one long ago we had the, 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 the group coming into a concert and they sang this song about being on death row. It was, an, it was a great song because it, it forced me to look at it differently than I had before. Was that you and I, without Jesus, we were destined for death. A life lived in eternity in separation from God because of my sin. But Jesus Christ came and He paid the price that if I'll accept, 
I am pardoned from that. that. That death penalty is removed. I get to live. Not only do I get to live, I get to live with God. I get to live in the presence of the one who created me. Not today, but down the road, I know that that's a promise that will be fulfilled. That is the power of God because guess what? I could not break the shackles of change. I, I can't outsmart God. I can't do that. I can't perform any deeds or any works that would allow God to let me into heaven because I've finished off this checklist. I've completed what you've asked me to do. It can't be done. I, I'm smart, maybe not so, but I'm not, never going to be smart enough to get in heaven. It is only through the cross that I can be saved. And so when I look at the cross, I don't look at a defeated Messiah. I know they hung Him on the cross they buried him in the grave. They rolled the stone in front of the tomb. They set a guard over it. They wrapped him in cloths because he was dead. But on the third day, he rose again. That is the power of the cross. That is the power of the cross. And I see that. Let me ask you a question. Our world today, it's kind of in a mess. If you are one of those few people who are continue to watch the news, um, I don't know how you do it, okay? But between COVID-19, which causes us to do things differently, uh, the deaths that are going on around, uh, the turmoil uh, with the, the, the riots and all the other, the, the turmoil with, how, we're, how the government's dealing with COVID and all of those things. Uh, the world is, is, is we, come to, we came together kind of to fight COVID worldwide, but we all don't like one another in places. How would you fix the world? How would you fix the world? You see, I looked at this. I look at this passage of scripture and I asked that question, how would you fix the world? I am reminded that to the world of the Greeks and the Jews that Paul was speaking to, their world was in a mess too. It wasn't exactly like they would like it. And we forget the fact that theirs was a messed up world. Of course, our mess is worse than their mess. But if you ask them, they'd look at our mess and say their mess was worse. That's just how it works. That's human nature. So when I asked that question, how would you fix the world? I could ask that of those recipients of the letter of 1 Corinthians. I could ask them, how would you fix your world? Guess what? They might think of how to fix things in a much different way than God did. When I ask today, if I were to post that as an, uh, as an opinion poll out there and ask you to, to answer that question, how would you fix the world? If I would put that question up on Facebook and let people answer, they might talk about a leader. They might talk about a, a form of government. They might talk about water or, or uh, jobs or whatever. If we had those things, if we had a cure for COVID, the world would be good. 
If we had a, this or that, then the thing would be good. We think that technology is going to fix the world, right? We're all, we, you know, we're, we have more technology. We get more technology. We, we're seeing improvements in the world. Just a, a few more iterations of Windows and of iOS, and we'll be there. I mean, that's just how, that's how our, our logic thinks. And, and so we, we, when we're asked that question, how would we fix the world, our fix for the world would not be God's fix. How did God decide to fix a first century Roman-controlled world? How did, how did God fix the world? Christ crucified. Christ crucified. Do you know what that means in the year 2020? That word Christ crucified means that it was successful both then and now, and it needs absolutely nothing added to it. There was a fancy word that they used. I just tried to explain it so I could understand it. But Christ crucified was the answer in the first century and it's the answer in our current century. And it will be the answer in whatever century it is when Jesus Christ comes through the clouds on a white horse. Christ crucified. Do you get the magnitude of that? I'm asking you a question today because... Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe, maybe you're looking for an answer. And it might be in a, in a political or a technological, technological way or some other way. But it's not Jesus Christ on a cross. It just seems crazy, weird, strange to you. But I am telling you that's how God decided to fix the world. Was to send His Son to die on the cross. That whosoever would believe in Him might have life and have it everlasting. Might have the penalty of sins forgiven. We who have been saved. I'm just telling you, sometimes we go back to our old Jewish or Greek heritage. And we decide the world needs to be fixed and it's not with Jesus. We're living out our world. Our, our, our life might be a mess. And we're not trying to fix it through Jesus Christ. We're not trying to fix it through Christ crucified. It's all about Jesus. Not just for your salvation, but for your life. Let's pray. Father, as we come to the conclusion of, of looking at Your Word this morning of, of that, Father, we know that You are not done working in lives. And Father, I pray that if there's someone out there who, who does not know You as Lord and Savior, today might be the day that they get past the stumbling block. Father, whatever reason, whatever has caused them not to stumble over the cross, Father, You would open their eyes. They, Father, they would open the door of their heart and allow You to be their Savior. Father, they would confess their sins. They would confess that You have provided the answer for their sins. And Father, they would ask You to be their Lord and Savior. Father, for those of us who have already made that claim, 
Father, we are, are recipients, Lord, of the letter. We are the church of God. And at this time in Carlinville or wherever we might be listening. Father, we, we are not living our life under the, the, the kingdom of Christ crucified. We have gone back to our old ways, Lord, to solve things. Father, turn us to You. Father, allow us to see Your power at work in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my Savior on that cursed Body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance by heavy stone, Messiah in all
in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints. My gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing Your praise. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord our God. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God, oh praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing Your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God, O Lord, O Lord our God, O Lord, O Lord our God. Thank you for worshiping with us today. If you're continuing to read the scripture, you're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 7, read through chapter 12. Thank, again, thank you for joining us. If you're watching us on Facebook or if you have Facebook when you get home, Share this so other people can see this, hear this, and worship as we did today. Again, thank you.